0: My friend, welcome to the U Turn Podcast. This is a show that's meant to help you remember who you truly are. I'm Ashley Stahl, a career expert, the author of the new book U Turn Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, and Design Your Dream Career. It's now available everywhere books are sold, and it's my honor to bring you guest conversations. Or even a solo episode with me every single week, all designed to help you elevate your confidence in work, in love, and in life. This is a place for you to reconnect to who you truly are, what you truly want, and to really heal from anything that is telling you that you are otherwise wherever you are, I am so grateful to be here in your ears. And I also want to give a shout out with so much thanks to our sponsor Organifi. You can find them over at Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And when you use the U-Turn checkout code, you get 20% off your order, they make the most magical elixirs, whether it's powders for you to get your greens on every day, really tasty, clean protein powders to add into your diet. I have them every single morning, probiotic powders to help you really heal and strengthen your immune system. So much more. Now let's get in to this week's conversation.
1: Is it me who's unwilling to do my inner work? Or is this actually a mismatch? Is this challenge actually not for me? It's actually against me. It's actually not a contribution to my greatest life. And then you don't have to be mad at them and blame them and be triggered. You can just go, oh, I choose to be a big city gal. This is what turns me on, lights me up. And you choose to live in the middle of nowhere. We could either have two homes and go back and forth and compromise on this and look at the benefits that the other person can teach you when you're in the opposite place, or if it's such a fundamental core value that you're not willing to have this new point of view, you're not willing to learn from the other, you're not willing to learn to be an allowance about it and focus on the good, not the, the negative, then I love you and I bless you and I release you.
0: What's going on, my U-turn friends? It's Ash here, and I've got Alana Pratt on the line, and she is going to talk to us about three of the steps in her beautiful book called Finding the One is Bullshit, Becoming the One is Brilliant and Beautiful. Obviously, she's an intimacy expert, and I have so many questions about love. I want to ask her about what to do when the honeymoon is over, and three, key steps to having better relationships, regardless. Um, Thank you so much for coming on to the show with me. Mm, I think you're extraordinary. I'm good.
1: I'm so excited to go deep, juicy, heartfelt, all that good stuff. So thanks for having me.
0: Oh, yeah, it's funny. Whenever people that I really know and love, like connect me to somebody like, you know, we were connected through our mutual friend who everybody's probably listened to his episode, um, Evan Mark Katz's episode. Evan connecting us was just, I love when people who know me can kind of find that synergy and there's something really special about you and how honest you are with yourself about love. Like I would love for everybody to understand like some context of like a little bit about what you've been through and what brought you to intimacy and your expertise. Yeah. I thought you were going to say brought you to your knees. Cause that's kind of how
1: I got here. <laughs> Not in the sexy way, but we'll go there if, if we want to, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I didn't start out being an intimacy expert. I started out being um, actually, a model. I moved over to Japan when I was like 20 years old and modeling turned into being a spokesperson and a, a lot of learning that my body was a, a divine temple and that sex was sacred. I was dancing with all these girls from Crazy Horse and Moulin Rouge and, and they loved their bodies. So that was my first sort of awakening from my more sheltered Canadian upbringing that you know, sex is cool, normal, natural, healthy. And then I regressed a smidge and I decided to marry a tall, dark and handsome, multimillionaire, you know, do the whole wall street wife thing, moved to New York city, graduated cum laude from Columbia university, you know, lived the, the banker's wife life. But I, I would hide in the closet to meditate because that was weird. And mm. my spirituality and my sensuality wasn't welcomed. It was like, here's the agreement here, play by the rules and anything outside the box wasn't welcomed and so after about six years together we ended up moving from uh, New York out to LA and I found more of my people like it wasn't weird to be spiritual it wasn't weird to see sex as sacred a, lo- a lot of people lived more from just like the mindset like what about this heart set and our te- our deep knowing and truth so um, after therapy etc that relationship completed no children Second marriage happened when my mom was dying of cancer. And from the first marriage, I'll just be straight. I was a damsel in distress looking to be saved. It's clear. Like he chose me. I didn't even ask myself if I chose him. It's just like, what? Tall, dark and handsome multimillionaires? Are you serious? Like, how does it get better than that? Um, so by the second marriage, I had become a lot more masculine, like I'm going to make it happen, you know, marriages, this Disneyland, you know, bullshit. And, and, and my heart was just dying because my mom was my best friend and she was dying. And so I thought, okay, I know it's not very enlightened, but at the time I said, okay, I'm just going to get a man, have a baby, and I'm going to get through this. And it was my way to sort of spiritually bypass, the inner work that I really needed to do as my mom passed away. And by the time she was gone, and it was like a year after, and I was married again, had a baby, dead mother, but I was you know sleeping through the night, so I couldn't blame the relationship on that. Like the hormones had settled. I couldn't blame it on that. I had, I had done it again. <laughs> I had chosen a partner that wasn't a match because I'd made a choice from a closed heart, not an open heart. I'd made mm-hmm. a choice from fear, not love. And so that marriage also ended in divorce. So here I am, like a one-year-old. And um, unfortunately, he didn't take it too well. I, From his point of view, I publicly humiliated him and took his son away from him half the time. And so then began a 12-year custody battle. And that's a long-ass time to have police officers knocking at your door, banging at 1030 at night, serving you with papers, having your family turn against you, your friends show up and testify against you in court. Evaluators, social services, um, so many bills that I ended up losing my house, losing my, I had about a quarter of a million saved at that point, lost that, went into another quarter of a million uh, of debt, legal debt. And then at the end, I was just so, um, I guess, just beaten down and I just wanted peace and I wanted peace for my son that in the end, I said, fine, you can live with your dad. And I still have legal custody. I still have physical custody. And yet to create peace, I said, fine, you win. And I don't get to see my son. And I trust that this uh, experience at some point, he, my son will, you know, go through his karma with his dad, learn. Like I was there for the formative years. When he was 13, he moved in with dad. And when he's a man, he'll come back and hopefully see that I've done my best not to be bitter. I've done my best not to blame. I've done my best not to make him feel guilty for living at his dad's and really honor his evolution and his choices and and not be, and not be poor me and just get out there and kick motherfucking ass and make a difference on the planet the best I can to heal people's hearts and hopefully um, help uh, definitely all the listeners in making a better choice than I did when they get married. Or at least if you have made a choice that was from fear, how to forgive yourself, how to learn the lesson, how to be better, how the very worst can bring out the very best in us and how you can make an even better choice next time. And then ultimately, ultimately, how does this all round out into like why I become like an intimacy expert is bottom line into me, I see. And when I looked inside, I didn't like who I was. I was humiliated of who I was. I was embarrassed by who I was. And I had to learn how to honestly love myself. And since that's happened and I'm not perfect, but I can love my hot mess as much as I love my triumphant badass. Like I don't have to justify. I don't have to pretend anymore. And there's a freedom to that. And then somehow there's more money in the bank because of that. And there's more success because of that. And I'm dating better guys because like everything's working because I was willing to go all the way to the core.
0: Oh, wow. And, I think a lot of, it's so funny, like sometimes I feel like I have multiple like lives inside of me. And mm-hmm. I know we kind of talked about this just the other day and you were talking about like this life where you moved to New York and you were this wall street wife. What can you share about that experience? Because I think a lot of women, especially, but men too, obviously we all kind of dream for this like luxe life And clearly it didn't resonate and you were hiding in the closet, like you said, meditating. So why do you think people kind of follow this illusion and hope for that perfect life on paper when in actuality, it's not necessarily what everybody's really meant for or should be wanting? Yeah.
1: Well, for me, my dad, when I was young, was drunk and stoned and my mom was codependent, checked out, just trying to keep it all together. And so I decided my worth was based on getting my dad's approval, attention, agreement, any of that. And he was out to lunch. And so I, all of my worth, I was seeking from the outside in. And as I grew up, I kept seeking it from the outside in. That's why I wanted to be a model, because pretty people are more valued than ugly people. That's why I wanted to go to an Ivy League school, because smart people are valued more than dumb people. Like it was just a very basic, toddler ego kind of way of living but we all start where we start and when our heart is closed and the only thing we're making our decisions from is a spinning mind which generally is fear based that's the best we can do and so I had a really good experience of what it's like to seek my worth from the outside in because even if I found it well then I got to keep it oh and then I got to make sure you still like me and and if you don't then I'm not enough and like I just I was spinning a million miles a minute it was awful and when I finally slowed down to go to the next level, whether it was living that posh life with, cause he was like a, like an expat in, in Japan. So we had expense accounts. I mean, his first date, he took me to the Shangri-La in the Philippines. He said, like, bring your bikini and a passport. And I remember, oh my God, I remember the first night he was negotiating his, his bonus and it was 1.3. And at this point I had saved $50,000. I was so proud of myself. And I had arrived in Japan with $40. That was it. And I had created this over the last three years. I was so proud of myself. And there he was. 1.3 was just as bonus. Million, of course, right? And I don't know why, Ash, but I decided he was smarter than me. He was uh, superior than me. He was right. I was wrong. I just, I don't know where I made that up, but that I had to win his approval. I had to win his love. That was like the original, you know, clueless (laughs) or uh, misunderstanding that I had about it. And then as I enjoyed that expat life in Japan and as I enjoyed it, you know, we had a house in the city in New York, we had a house in Connecticut, we had these beautiful vacations. I realized that a lot of the people, as I became more aware, discerning, loving of myself, trusting of myself, spiritual, slowing down, feeling, all that kind of stuff, I realized a lot of them were just as insecure as I was. Mm. Most of them were miswired as well, that their worth was outside in, not inside out. And all the other women would say, just shut up and sign the prenup. You have no idea what you're giving up here. Just go with the program. And yet I was miserable because I knew there was more. And so I'm grateful for it all. I learned a lot about wine, travel. Um, I'm an art history major. I love beauty. I really appreciated the mansions that I got to live in and and visit, etc., and yet there's there's more it's not throw away the money it's it's like how well do we use the money to
0: contribute to humanity and and yourselves too like in a way that really resonates
1: yeah yeah so mm. when i first did the about face turn and moved inward and learned okay my worth is from the inside out i didn't like who i found every part of me was uh, someone i would be embarrassed by And I remember the time that I went out after my son went to go live with his dad when he was 13, I just, I planned, like I planned an elegant, nervous breakdown. I said, okay, I'm just going to go out into the middle of nowhere. I'm just going to cry for a month. And basically what I came to, and I'd like to take people through a little process. at some point during our interview, this will be like the third step. But basically I wrote down everything that I'm ashamed of. And so you can, Mm. you can maybe do this if you're brave enough and willing to like sit in the dark, sit in the fire and go, You know, I'm ashamed of the size of my ass. I'm ashamed of the size of my bank account. I'm ashamed that I'm actually terrified, you know, of being alone and dying alone. I'm actually ashamed that I freak out that he doesn't text me back. Like whatever it is that's kind of embarrassing, write it down. And what I would do day after day after day is I would imagine in my mind's eye, that there was little, all these little Alanas inside my heart. And I had been hitting them with two by fours, shoving them in the closet saying, shut the fuck up. Don't let anybody know that you're wobbly, right? Mm-hmm. i had been so cruel, and critical of myself, literally rejecting and abandoning myself for decades. Uh-huh. And so I sat there and I brought them all back. And I sat in that dark closet with them. And I literally decided to throw away the key. I wasn't going to go in and try to fix them and put them in a better mood and so and change them and try to improve like it wasn't working. It was just fake. It was just spiritual bypass. So I went into this dark closet in my mind's eye, in my heart, and all the little wounded hit over the head with two by fours, Alana's were there, not very pleased to see me. And I said, okay, even if we are single forever, I love and accept you. Mm. Even if everybody opts out of Facebook and thinks we're a fraud when they find out everything, I love and accept you. Even if our son never calls us back ever, dies in a car crash, we never see him ever again, I love and accept you. Mm. Even if your body doesn't look like it looked like when you were dancing on the stages with all the French girls when you're 20, even if it has strange hair growing out of strange places because you're now going through menopause, like I love and accept you. I, I just went down the list. And after, Ash, about a month of really focused, honest, rigorous, authentic work to love these parts of myself, and here's the key, even if they never changed, the old me was still very driven. We need to do this to change, to look good, to get to get results, to get approval. I'm like, no, no, no. Even if you never change, ever, like for eternity ever, I love and accept you. And then these parts of myself went, really? Because we really want to come home into your arms. We really don't want to be disassociated anymore. We really want to be one, oneness. And then there was this one day, and I best name, I know how to call it, is a direct experience. I've had direct experiences with meditation, ayahuasca. I've had like different moments in my life. I know what a direct experience is. And I had this direct experience head to toe where there was no sense of where I ended and the air began. Mm -hmm. Of oneness where I finally was like, oh my God, I love myself. I love every aspect of my hot, wobbly mess, awesome self. It was very quiet and still inside. And then, isn't it amazing that the next week my son called? (laughs) Because all of that resistance to life went away and I could be in allowance with everything. So I could be in co-creation with the divine. My thoughts from my heart, then given to my mind. So, like heart mind unity, mm-hmm. started to co-create with the divine in ways that, sh- like, miracles showed up, coincidences mm-hmm. showed up, magic showed up. All of a sudden, I mean, I still put one foot in front of the other, and you know this with paying off your debt. I mean, it took yeah. a while, but yeah, but I did it, and I became a great businesswoman in the meantime, and I became a really safe person for people to come to and do their deep inner healing work. I don't judge me and I don't judge you. Mm.
0: It's so beautiful. I mean, it really does take like um, a decision, you know, when you're in that kind of a place, like a real decision to kind of rise beyond where you are. So obviously when you got married in in both of those marriages, there was a moment where you eventually realized they weren't right for you. Did you know it all along? Like What was your relationship to your intuition? Mm, Such a great question. Because in hindsight, I knew
1: all along, but in the moment, I wasn't living in my heart. And the way, if you're familiar with heart math and coherence, when we have an open heart and we are breathing through our heart with appreciation or compassion, it's easy to feel appreciation for all of our triumphant moments, but it's not as easy to keep your heart open and feel compassion for your fucked up moments. But when we can, keep our heart open in appreciation and compassion. You can literally measure that as coherence. And what happens on a scientific level is you can hear your intuition, your instincts, your uh uh-huh, uh-uh, when you're in your heart. And you also send a signal to your prefrontal cortex. So your creative thinking, your abstract thinking, your Your ability to be discerning, be able to take back feedback without any defensiveness, all of those capacities are in the front of your brain. But when our heart is closed, like mine was, and when we're spinning in our head in fear, like I was, the only brain we have to work with is the reptilian fight, flight, freeze, kill before they kill us, you know, get, take, grasp, need, all of that stuff. So I was making. Even though I was doing my best to look really good and smile, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was still coming from a closed heart, fear, fear-based decision making. I was a creature of, of fear, and so at the time, did I know I was making a mistake? No, I just felt like I'm going to make this work. I'm so grateful to marry a rich guy. I'm going to make this work. I'm so grateful to have somebody when my mom is dying. That's the mm-hmm. best I could do at the time. I didn't marry them and use them. I wasn't evil. I just was unconscious. And and a damsel in distress or a freaked out masculine woman. And I have compassion for those parts of me. I did my Mm. best. I didn't
0: set out to hurt anybody. So beautiful. And, you know, like even taking this further, I think a lot of people are in relationships that aren't working. Like, how do you know when you're just kind of in it and you need to like work something out with somebody and you're in the wrong relationship? Because I know it's a huge question, but. It seems like now, obviously in retrospect, it's very clear, both relationships weren't a fit for you, but at the time that wasn't as clear, like what were some indicators for you? Number one, that the honeymoon was over because that's something that William and I are also navigating is like, okay, honeymoon's over. We're in a real relationship. We have to navigate real issues versus, okay, this isn't even the right thing.
1: Yeah. So good. So good. So in my experience, there are three stages to relationship, honeymoon Everything breaks down and then you break through into stage three. My experience, and I I take responsibility for my lack of growth as well, but I was in a honeymoon stage two times with my first two marriages. They both broke down and we didn't break through. I did some counseling with my first marriage. I did some counseling with my second marriage. But ultimately, where I now see myself as a spiritual woman, a humbled woman, and authentically confident, connected to the divine woman, they bless them, they're awesome humans, but they didn't do the work that I did. So my trajectory, in my opinion, went deeper, farther, faster, wider, broader into that realm of personal growth than they did. They, they grew a little bit but not enough to make stage three work. And we just, our values then were different. Our priorities were different. I mean, I'm a fucking intimacy expert. I'm all about vulnerability, transparency, meaningful conversations, sacred sex. I'm not okay just to sit around and watch football on the weekend. Like that's fine and all, but that doesn't light me up. doesn't give me life force energy. It doesn't turn me on. There's, um, Mm -hmm. There's like uh, for me, like listening to podcasts (laughs) turned me on. Like, so, um, so we're just so our our paths went separately. So, back to this question of how do you know whether, you know, to try quote unquote hard or to call it a day? Another scientific principle is that there's always equal pleasure and pain in every moment. There's always equal challenge and support in every moment. Our, we want to believe in the fantasy. Oh, if I just think all good thoughts, everything will be good every day. And I'll just resist, resist and go away from the pain. No, that's the roller coaster of addiction. That's not reality. That's why we don't know how to navigate intense emotions and sit in the pain and get the, get the grip from it, the resilience from it, the fortitude from it, the lessons from it. Because we've made pain bad, suffering bad. No, there's actually a lot of gifts in the hard times. And we've made the pleasure good so much so that we need another pint of Haagen-Dazs in our 17th purse and our, you know, or, or the next, uh, porn for gentlemen, like another intense moment. Like we get addicted to the high and we don't live a balanced life in reality. So what do I, what I say to a lot of the clients that I work with who are couples and it's like, it's all their fault. And it's all their fault. I'm like, okay, shh. Sh-. Actually, they are the perfect pressure against you, the piece of coal, to turn you into a diamond. They are annoying the shit out of you because your job is to awaken your capacity for speaking up, letting go, showing up, surrendering, courage, humility. Like there's something in you that their annoyance is trying to wake up for you to be more enlightened. Each of you have come together to awaken each other's enlightenment. And so Mm. instead of seeing each other as the problem, see each other as the catalyst, go to your own corners, do your own work, come back grateful. And then again, from that coherent heart, connected to intuition, connected to the best part of your brain. And with nothing to, we don't need to win. We don't need to be right. We don't need to, you know, dominate the other. We just seek to understand. And mm. new ways of communicating allow for new realities. Now, that takes two people. Now, mm-hmm. when one is willing to go to their corner and do the work and the other isn't, and they continue to blame, well, the relationship dissolves. Or if you get through to the other side, which occasionally happens, probably 25% of the time, actually, in, in my practice, happens where we do the inner work, we stop blaming the other, we're better because of it. At the end, it's more like this brother-sister energy. Uh It comes often great co parents who can really organize a beautiful life for the two of them and show them two separate, healthy, new relationships that are actually very aligned. We Mm. have to remember that if we come into a relationship where we haven't really done any of the work, the inner work that I'm referring to, you're going to attract your mirror. So if there's a part of you that's a hot mess that you don't want anyone to see, you're going to attract another hot mess. There's It's just energy. And so if the two of you are willing to grow, you can move into the stage three of the relationship after the breakdown into the breakthrough. So grateful that you made it. And mm-hmm. if you both go through to the other side and at the other side, you're like, you know what? Our sacred contract is complete. Thank you. And all there is is gratitude and appreciation and you let each other go with grace
0: Hey U Turners, I have a quick but important interruption here. I want to thank Organify as always for sponsoring this podcast episode and just encourage you to check out their site and consider treating yourself to some of their products that have been such a game changer for my health. They just gave us an even bigger discount code at 20% off when you type in the code U Turn at checkout. And I've been particularly obsessed with Organify's pure product. The pure powder is tasteless but powerful full of superfood ingredients to help your gut and your mind stay healthy, such as probiotics, lion's mane, aloe vera, ginger extract, to name a few. I put the pure powder in my coffee and it's been helping me stay healthy during these really weird times that we're all in. So if you're looking to easily up your immunity and dodge whatever germs are floating in the air, the pure powder at Organifi is it just head on over to organifi.com slash u-turn that's o-r-g-a-n-i-f-i.com slash y-o-u-t-u-r-n and don't forget to type in your u-turn code at checkout for 20% off pure now let's get back to this week's episode And how do you navigate that? Because I think a lot of... I I have a couple friends in mind specifically where I'm watching them in the wrong relationship. And this is just my own personal judgment. And it's not that I tell them you're in the wrong relationship, but it's a roller coaster. They're unhappy. They're all over the place. They're always processing, trying to fix. Granted, like William and I have been through it. Like we you know, exited the honeymoon phase and had to, and moved in together and it was COVID and we got up through a puppy on top of it. And so now we're like learning how to co-parent this puppy. And, you know, he wants to go to bed late. I want to go to bed early. I want to sleep in. He wants to get up. Like we are navigating different schedules, different approaches to the home. Mm. Like I think a lot of friends and in my case, it's like, I feel like I'm in the right relationship and just kind of clicking in and learning how to co coexist. Mm. I've seen a couple other relationships with friends where I'm like, damn, you you're so unhappy. Yeah, so unhappy. And they have this like, deep fear of leaving, they don't want to make a mistake. Like, do you have a message for them? And I know you have a few, uh, you have like seven steps in your book. And one of the steps is wake the F up, which was step number one. So curious what your message is for them and, or if I'm already just trickling straight the fuck into it. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. So waking the fuck
1: up is that idea that there's always equal challenge and support in life. So you are not going to find a partner. That's not going to challenge you. Impossible. What we want to look for is a challenge that's for us, not against us. Mm-hmm. And this is your own inner work. When you go through and you look at what is the benefit the advantage of them and like yours would be like waking up earlier waking up later staying up later whatever like some of these different issues what are the benefits and I want you to write down not just like a one little brainstorming I want you to go through like physical mental spiritual vocational social family romantic sexual like go deep go deep and see all the benefits of their annoying behavior Mm. and then do the opposite what are all the you know, disadvantages if we both got up in the morning and both went to sleep at the same time and both were the same political party and both like the same positions in sex, like everything was agreement. What would actually be the detriments to that? Physically, Mm -hmm. mentally, spiritually, vocationally, socially, family, romantically, sexually. That'll give you a really good look at, hmm, is it me who's unwilling to do my inner work? Or is this actually a mismatch? Is this challenge actually not for me. It's actually against me. It's actually not a contribution to my greatest life. And then you don't have to be mad at them and blame them and be triggered. You can just go, Oh, I choose to be a big city gal. This is what turns me on, lights me up. And you choose to live in the middle of nowhere. We could either have two homes and go back and forth and compromise on this and look at the benefits that the other person can teach you when you're in the opposite place. Or if it's such a fundamental core value that you're not willing to have this new point of view, you're not willing to learn from the other, you're not willing to learn to be in allowance about it and focus on the good, not the, the negative, then I love you and I bless you and I release you. And I mm-hmm. wish you a partner that's aligned and I choose a partner that's aligned and I didn't know until this relationship that it really was a deal breaker. Thank you. I appreciate you. Does that, mm-hmm. does that help?
0: Yeah, totally. And I think that ultimately a lot of um, people I see negotiating with their non-negotiables and it's almost like they just didn't know it was not negotiable until they couldn't talk theirself out of it. Thank you.
1: Oh, yes. My five non-negotiables at 50 were so mm-hmm. different than when I got married at like 32 and then the first time in my like 20s. Because mm. we grow and we evolve. We're supposed to grow and change. It's not mm. like we haven't made a mistake if our non-negotiables have evolved. We've evolved, right? Mm. We were saying but as no, we no, chatting, comes Like, how do we stay with somebody if we're evolving so much? Well, this is, it's so funny you say this because again, you have to do this inventory over time and not have the judgment that having a 50-year marriage is somehow better than five, 10-year marriages. Like society wants us to believe that you're a better person. If you're married to one person and you never have affairs and you die together forever, who says there isn't just as much or even more growth, evolution, contribution, forgiveness, awakening, so many things by going through five people and learning and growing and treating them well and living your truth. I don't believe one is better than the other. And I believe Mm -hmm. our job is to live our own unique path not judge other people. So sometimes I'll look at, like I'm literally going next weekend out to Vegas to see my friends who I was in their wedding, they were 16 and 17 when they met and we're now all in our fifties. They've been together this whole time. I've been through two divorces and all the rest of it. And so, and yet we all are living what our soul came here to experience. My motherhood journey is very different than their parenthood journey. And Mm. so if we could stop comparing and be willing to know what we know. Do enough inner work to heal your heart. Open your heart. Get in there so you can really hear the, the, the breadcrumbs, the, the lightness, the, yeah, that's my path. Okay, it's different than what Aunt Mary says. It's different than what my friend Joanna is doing. And it's certainly different than what society says. But I know in my heart of heart, it's my truth. And then we put one foot in front of the other, heart open, mm. living it. So for some of your friends who are in relationships that you probably very accurately are seeing like a hot mess. um, Maybe for them, their lesson is, is about maybe speaking up. It might take them 10 more years to speak up, Mm -hmm. you know, but for their soul's evolution, they're right on time. Mm
0: -hmm. And yes, you
1: can guide them to a counselor like me. You can guide them to different books, but ultimately it's up to them when they're ready to do the work and honor themselves to do the
0: work. Ah, so beautiful. Okay. And I know you have three steps. One is wake the hell up. You talked a little bit about kind of, can you just kind of reground us in that one? And then the second one you talk about is redemption. So I'd love to hear both of those, especially for my little note takers out here.
1: Okay. So the first one with waking up, it's about ending the idea that our worth is outside in and taking full responsibility that our worth is inside out. So it's like, draw a line in the sand today that my worth will no longer ever again be based on another's approval, the size of my ass, the size of my bank account. And I hope your ass is lovely and your bank account is abundant, but that's that's an achievement, that's not your worth. It's two different things, a lot of us collapse them. Those are two separate compartments. I love to kick ass, and I love money, and I love my ass, (laughs) but that's not my worth. My worth is my worth is my worth. End of story, period. End of the sentence. I am that I am. It's it. Mm. Okay. So that, in and there's various exercises on how to rewire yourself in that chapter and to really recognize, okay, there's no way out. There's no perfect job, perfect guy, perfect relationship, perfect anything. So enough of this clamoring for all the pleasure and avoiding all the pain. Learn how to sit in the fire and rise as a Phoenix. So that's mm. part one. Part two, I call it the theater of redemption. Now, when my mom died, my God, it was like I'm 50. She was 61, so not very long. She died of cancer. She died of liver cancer. And for me, I follow a lot of different – I do a lot of studying. I have a lot of certifications, etc. But metaphysics with energy and the body, like Louise Hay, Carolyn Miss, this type of thing – is i believe very indicative when we have an illness what's the emotional cause of it yes western medicine yes eastern medicine but also what's the what's the emotional wound that's exacerbating this anger is a huge misunderstood emotion especially for us women if we get a little you know angry oh she's hysterical And we Mm -hmm. get put down, you know, be seen, not heard. Right. And so we stuff away anger. And if you stuff away anger, you get depressed. And if you project your anger, you're a bitch. It's not going to help anything making somebody wrong and blaming them and hitting below the belt and emasculating the man. And I mean, it's not going to help anything. So a lot of us are like, well, what the fuck do I do with this anger? Well, that's what the theater of redemption is for. It's a very politically incorrect process where I allow my clients to fully express how dare you and stand up for their little you. And Uh. we're not we're not yelling at the soul of the person, the heart of the person. We're 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 giving ourselves permission to speak up. We wouldn't do this to the real person obviously, it's in this process, okay, it's not to the real person. But we give ourselves permission to speak up and, and, and uh, say, hey, not okay to treat me this way. How dare you? And mm. it gets a little more gnarly than what I'll share here, because i taken out of context, you'd probably lock me up. So but it's really fun, really naughty, really nasty. And it feels fucking fabulous to get all the anger, which is the point out of your body. Where can it go? This is where it can go. But that's not the end. And then the second part of the process, I sit your ass down in a throne of your own making because no victims around here. And I give you the point of view that in this theater, uh, a ball of light comes and it is actually the person's soul or that soul contract where where I ask you to take on the point of view that you chose that betrayal. You chose that annoyance. You chose them cheating on you. You chose getting laid off. You chose that cancer, whatever it is for your own evolution. It's a totally different point of view when we want to be right and blame and be a victim to our circumstances. So I'm like, no, 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 we are Queens. Or if it's a gentleman, Kings, we chose this. And then again, after, before we said, how dare you? Now we're going to say, thank you. And the word forgive is in the sentence. Thank you for giving me the experience of divorcing me cheating on me, betraying me, blah, 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 because now I know, now I've learned, now I'm grateful for, now I've awoken, now something in me has emerged, and you just have a rampage of gratitude, because we need to embody the lessons. A lot of people live from the chin up with a spiritual bypass of the lessons, but very few really integrate it all the way into their bones, and the way can you
0: talk about it, that, the spiritual bypassing, because I think that people obviously don't realize that they're doing it. Here's how
1: you know, thank you, if you're spiritually bypassing or you really have healed something, you won't get triggered again if you've integrated it. So sure, you can be talking with your girlfriend's having a cup of coffee. Oh, I'm so grateful that he divorced me, and I, it's all love, and I, you know, I see the lesson and everything. And then as soon as they walk by, you lose your shit. You haven't integrated it. You're spiritually bypassing. You're just talking a good story. True integration, true processing, true healing all the way to the core. So you literally have a new baseline, a new zero point, a new normal is they walk by and you're like, all right, I bless them. I bless them. You don't have to like it, but you bless mm-hmm. them and you are better for of it. And you just lift your chest and open your spine. And I'm just like, yeah. Thank you. You can literally say thank you. And it doesn't trigger you. You can stay in your heart, stay in your intuition, stay in your prefrontal cortex. If you get triggered by a situation, you haven't done, you've probably done a lot of work, but you're just not all the way there to true operation, which is the high level quantum psychology processing I do with my clients and I do with myself. Like I can literally, it took me so long to get to a place where I didn't want my ex-husband abducted by aliens. like I would fantasize, <laughs> have so much fun. Oh, I could just chop him into pieces and feed him to the sharks. Like I just, yeah, I was still very triggered. But now I literally have a vision of the two of us dancing at my mm-hmm. son's wedding. And I know, and I feel, and I have all the body sensations, and I see the images of gratitude that this man was the catalyst for me to grow up that last damsel in distress, Mm -hmm. that last doubting of my worth. Yes, it was not comfortable,
0: but I'm so grateful for him. So beautiful. And I know the third step, you know, beyond redemption and waking up, you talk about little you, and I love this step. I've talked about inner child work. I think people tend to hear it often, you know, in yoga classes, but there's so much to it. I would love to just help everybody who's listening, learn how to integrate that into their life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a beautiful meditation at the end. I'll share there. I have an intimacy blind spot assessment quiz on my site. And uh, when that downloads, you have an opportunity to download that little you meditation. And so this is what I was alluding to earlier when I sat in that cabin and I wrote down everything that I, that I hated rejected Uh, was embarrassed by about myself and then at the end of the sentence and I love and accept you and so this is a very deep process where I basically science now says that we need the image the thought the emotion and the body sensation all four elements are imprinted when a traumatic event happens to us and a lot of times we sit on a therapist couch and we think about it talk about it but it doesn't really make it better. Or we just imagine vision and we have like maybe a sense of aliveness for a bit, but it goes back down. Or we have a good cry and we really try to feel the emotion, but it still comes back. We're still triggered. Or maybe we do some somatic healing and some tapping work, for example, but it's not all the way gone. That's because we're only doing one, two, or even three of the four elements. And we need all four to be duplicated So they can be erased into nothing and that new integrated energy in the form of maybe confidence, allowance, strength, surrender, whatever that lesson was meant to be, we can actually embody it. And so in this little you process that I take people through, I integrate all the elements and I really give you an example of how to come home to you, how to unconditionally love you and and be able to hold Your Remember how I said science says life is equal challenge and equal support, equal pain, equal pleasure. We are equal hot mess and badass. Like we're not supposed to be perfect. We're not supposed to be all badass. We're supposed to be always evolving, always growing, always curious, always in wonder, always a student. Yes, we're a master over here, but we're a student over there. There's this beautiful um, kind of a polarity that gets all mixed into one. On the inside, when you can come home and not reject and not justify every single aspect of self, it is a it is a confidence that has nothing to do with the outside. It is a peace beyond words. It is a power and potency that has such elegance and grace to it, and it's our birthright and yeah, it takes work. but this is step three of seven that I wrote about in my book, so that you can start to cultivate this inner world so that even if he doesn't text back, you have your own back. Even if they don't hire you for that job, you've got your own back. You don't lose your shit. You stay in your intuition. You stay in your creative mind, your prefrontal cortex, and you know, not think, no, it's okay. Rejection is protection. I know somebody better is coming. Or, hey, that job I was trying to fit as, you know, a square peg into a round hole. It wasn't actually a fit. I was trying to talk myself into it. You know, you're right, universe. Something's better is coming. And you have this way of holding yourself with your heart open, kind of like Lady of the Lake. Lady of the Lake, she has her sword, right? She can cut your friggin' head off if she wants to, but she doesn't walk around with it in front of her, freaked out all the time. She walks with it by her side, heart open, regal aware,
0: discerning, radiant. That's our birth rate. I love this. And as somebody's going to bed at night, is there any practice that is even more simple? Um, Because for me, sometimes I just close my eyes and I picture little me somewhere and I talk to her. I might say like, how are you doing? Um, Do you have anything you do maybe when you're on an airplane and there's turbulence and you're just trying to get grounded or... I don't know, any way of taking care of yourself and and building that
1: connection. Totally. Yeah, we we do. We have a similar practice, Ash. It's great. First thing in the morning, hand on the heart, hand on my belly. And I just check in. I go, hey, sweet thing. What have I not slowed down enough to to hear you say? And I just listen. And in the beginning, there was silence because she had to learn to trust me and I had to learn to listen. In the evening, I tend to, I don't have a William in my bed, so I I put one hand on my heart, one hand on my yoni, and I'm like, hey, sweet body, how you doing? Do you just want to snuggle up with some pillows? Do you want me to grab the vibrator? (laughs) What What do you require? Like, I just take care of my healthy, natural, beautiful, sacred body and sexuality. And if I'm in a really intense situation, I uh, like a turbulent kind of thing, I always put my hand on my heart. Um, And maybe on, on that sort of situation, I'd put a hand on my leg. You know, this grounded energy, even though you're thousands of feet in the air, you just send energy down through your legs, down into the earth, down into the center of the earth where your throne is in the crystalline grid, if you believe that. But imagine you've got a throne with your name on it down there and send the energy down and visualize yourself sitting, you know, stable. In the center of the earth, Mother Earth has got you. You're fine. We got this. And breathe, right? So those are some different quick fixes to get you back into presence and back into your heart.
0: I love this. Well, I feel like I could talk to you forever. Um, What message do you have for anybody who is going through, you know, 2020, (laughs) which is kind (laughs) of a doozy, and their relationship is mediocre right now, and they either want to improve or get out. Like, what can you remind them of or what can we tell them right now?
1: Yeah. Happiness is our own responsibility and so is our juiciness. And for me, life force energy, turn on, aliveness, creativity is a juicy, sacred, yummy, sexy thing. And, and and the very same energy that's blossoming a flower or spinning our planet is breathing us. And a lot of times when we're afraid, just getting into a better mindset and a little more confidence is, is, is hard. But for me, putting on a song and like putting on my like eight-inch stripper shoes from pole dancing class and just like getting into my my sass and my sexy, that really gives me a boost and it fills me up and it allows this sacred sexual energy to flow through me and I can just let go and I can just surrender. And, and I, I have like, <laughs> my client sent me wonder women, wonder woman underwear the other day. So I was wearing that the other night as I'm dancing and, and I just let myself be a little dorky, a little sexy, a little naughty, a little whatever. Like, it's really good to get outside your comfort zone and not be in control, the control freak that needs to know what, what's going to happen and have a plan. And it, no, there is life changes every day if you haven't noticed. So what you can do though is awaken your yummy, and let go of your significance, and be a little more radiant and a hot mess. It's very sexy when we're a hot mess, I think, and uh, and allow that to take the pressure off, lower the significance, and then from that place, your heart will be a little more open, your hips, that uh-huh, uh-uh, you know, that your relationship with your pussy that our wonderful mama gina talks about like that knowing will begin to be louder and it will help you navigate these times so if you're in a relationship where you want to kill each other you know do the polarity thing take your own time send him to his man cave go to your you know pole dancing room or your sexy room um and be a little more invitational be a little more coy say you know Meet me on the back porch. I'm wearing my red dress with no underwear. Like, just you know, flirt. Remember that you get to invite and welcome that which you desire. We we don't have to make them wrong. Maybe it's just that we need to be a little more unattached and a little more juicy for them to notice us. And mm-hmm. um, so that's what I would say to the couples that want to kill each other. A little more alone time. Use that alone time to juice up, ladies, and challenge yourself, gentlemen. And then make make a date uh, a sacred ritual. You know, you don't have to be together. You get to, and so make that date night happen.
0: I love this. I love your freedom and how liberated you are. I wish it for everybody. Mm -hmm. I feel life is way too short to be tiptoeing on who we are and what we've got going on. And. But I'm curious, like, what do you offer for people to keep learning from you or where can people go? Because I know you have your cool YouTube channel I just interviewed with you on. Thank you. Uh, What else do you have going on? Yeah. So um, I just
1: interviewed you on the, the Intimate Conversations podcast, which is also on the YouTube channel. On my site, there is, as I mentioned, that intimacy blind spot assessment. So a lot of you guys, I'm sure, listening are super bright, super brilliant. I don't need to help you with that. If you could figure this shit out on your own, you would have. So please be kind and compassionate and realize there's probably a blind spot going on. I can't see mine to save my life either. I have three coaches and a thriving coaching practice, but I'm still a hot mess. I need help. And so be willing to figure out what that blind spot is so you can take your power back and use your energy in a way that will get you the results. Because maybe it's an intimate relationship with yourself that needs work. Maybe it's an intimate relationship with the divine. Do you really trust that if you exhaled and stopped pushing that life would have your back? And maybe it's taking your intimate relationship with your beloved to the next level. But that quiz will support you. Um, and then that book that we spoke of, we went through the first three of seven steps. Finding the one is bullshit. Becoming the one is brilliant and beautiful and ironically the key to attract or awaken your ideal partner. So these steps I've developed over 20 years and they work. So allow yourself to, to dive into that book if it if it resonates with you.
0: Love it. Thank you so much again
1: for being here. Mm, Thanks for having me, Ash. I'm so glad you're in my life.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. In the meantime, if you heard about any resource that you're interested in from one of our guests, you can find it listed in our show notes on the podcast tab of my website, ashleystall.com. That's ashleystah com. On that page, you'll also see our free quiz to help you discover what career path you're actually meant for. And of course, we cannot thank you enough for written podcast reviews. I read single single one. I get so motivated from reading your words and it just means the world to me that you take a moment if you have an Apple device and you write an actual review for me. Thank you so much for doing that. Appreciate you being here and cannot wait to connect with you next week.